Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 248. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. And for today's episode, Kathleen, I want to dissect the sentiment behind a rather common phrase, I see right through you, or I can see right through you. And when I say the sentiment, we've done other literal or literary analyses of quotations and words before, but for me, at least as I was inspired to record with you, I've heard this and similar phrases used in social circumstances, and recently I was really fascinated by the meaning people are trying to get across. And while I'm hopeful that you might have a contradictory opinion, in my experience, this is never said with a positive tone. People don't seem explicitly happy to see right through someone else. It might be a little bit smug or vindictive, but it's never pure-hearted joy or a necessarily amicable remark. It almost seems oppositional or antagonistic. And I find that so interesting because these words refer to transparency and understanding. And I'd be interested to know if you sense a similar negativity. Like you, I've always understood this statement in a really negative context, typically where someone fears that they're being tricked or taken advantage of. And to say, I can see right through you, is a kind of combative retaliation. To get a little linguistic, I find it interesting that the statement is, I can see right through you, rather than, I can see you. Rather than seeing and recognize the person in front of us, The comment makes the person invisible, turning them into nothing. To me, seeing people is harder than seeing through them. To see someone requires empathy. It empowers them as an acknowledgement of their human dignity. Often, we get caught up in a game of wits, afraid of looking dumb or vulnerable in front of the other person because we perceive transparency as weakness or naivete, and maybe we're afraid of being taken advantage of. I appreciate this statement, though, because I think it offers a lesson in vulnerability on both ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, to the person who is being seen through, they might ask, why am I putting up walls? To the other individual, why am I looking through instead of at? In other words, why am I afraid of being seen and what am I afraid of seeing? And to your rather sage questions, I'd like to offer my own inquiry Are the walls that someone else is perceiving or seeing through truly there? I've found that oftentimes other people perceive that we are as skeptical or suspicious or guarded as they are. And indeed, we might be. But I feel that when two people interact and one is more vulnerable than the other, oftentimes there is a difference of worldview or experience. And for a non-vulnerable person to interact with a vulnerable one things can often get uncomfortable, and I understand why. So it's easier, as I think is often true around the world with any human-to-human interaction, to treat someone as you in another body rather than their own type of person who might be engaging with different ideas and differently. And I really love how you've remarked not only on seeing through to go linguistic, and I'm glad you did, but on seeing someone. And I think it's far more often the case at least as I perceive our culture, to have competitive relationships in social experiences, which I find so curious. In a vast and largely dark universe that we live on a planet with billions of other people, I can understand some competitive urges, but in the space where you could make friends or get to know people, 
that so many of us seem compelled to or comfortable with knocking people over or piercing them with our gaze seems malicious and not really interested in genuine human interaction or, more concisely, a relationship. You might be using a person or interacting with them in a transactional way, but you're not seeking to understand them, to truly see them, to borrow your phrasing. And I sincerely wonder, which I hope you and the audience might have thoughts on, if it is possible to go from seeing through someone to seeing them. Can you reverse that gaze or step back a bit and instead of trying to psychoanalyze or understand someone holistically, arguably in a reductive way at some points, but all with the intention, I think you and I might agree, of holding their humanity in the palm of your hand and judging it. This is ultimately, to me, a judgmental phrase, not only negative, but one that presumes, I think, a sense of superiority. Can you come back from that and regard someone honestly, maybe even with love or interest in understanding them? Do we then understand people just to take advantage of them and to abuse our knowledge? Which to me is a really scary thought. And I won't deny that the world is terrifying and that many of us on a frequent basis feel lonely. But what a really miserable and terrifying idea that in a world filled with creatures and beings that could understand us, that we can create new life with, that we can enjoy time with and share art with, that people first and foremost, or at any point in their lives, think about how they can harm those people on an emotional or intellectual level. It's ominous to think about what this phrase can mean and what I feel it can reveal about human nature. You brought up the question, are the walls we perceive really there? And upon some reflection, I think this question is relevant to all of the comments you make. What's scary about that question is that we don't really know, and there is no way to know. We can't force someone to lower any barriers or walls and immediately become comfortable with us like we've known each other forever, as wonderful as that might be. All we can do is choose to be vulnerable ourselves and hope that they feel comfortable doing the same. And in the midst of the terrifying possibility that people want to know us just to take advantage of us, all we can really do is be willing and be hopeful. It's becoming increasingly easy to think the world is against us, to feel like there are constant attacks. And as you mentioned, we often take the route of superiority because it feels like the only answer. It's important to recognize that we have choice within the terrifying possibility that people seek to know us just to take advantage of us. And unfortunately, this fear is all-consuming, and we are left in a cycle of one-upping each other with how guarded we can be, and all the tricks we have up our sleeves to tear down the other person. I struggle with the question of if it's possible to go from seeing through someone to seeing them, because I think often we don't realize that we're not looking at the person. We become so accustomed to this confrontational kind of interaction and build a reality that isn't really there. I think it's really difficult to come to the realization that we've been seeing through someone rather than seeing them on our own. To me, a discovery like that often comes through other people, whether that be a direct acknowledgement of our actions or an observation we have of other individuals, realizing how it reflects our own situation. I feel like the discomfort in realizing or admitting that you've been seeing through someone and not seeing them and really sitting with that 
comes from the realization that you've probably been objectifying or dehumanizing someone. And especially if someone else has confronted you and said, you realize you're just tearing people down, right? You're not trying to engage with them. If you sit with that, and at least if you have a conscience, I feel like you would experience a degree of guilt and doubt and probably uncertainty about your own morality. And with your mention just now of confrontation, I think this philosophy of seeing through becomes contagious, like so many cultural norms, and reaches a point that I think we have in our society where you have masses of people seeing through one another. I've heard some rather cynical remarks that adults go to dinner parties not to enjoy one another's company, but to gossip on the drive home about the other couples or attendees. And it's really disturbing to me to think not necessarily about how many people might engage or behave in insincere ways, which I think we all do in one way or another, but conversely, which really saddens me, how few people probably are engaging in genuine or sincere ways of regarding other human beings. And I think ultimately this comes back to vulnerability and the admission that other people are human beings and have equal or similar value to you conflicts with a subconscious belief a lot of us have that we are the protagonist in our story or that we are the only person in the world and everyone else is a filler character or a little bit less human than we are. And I personally don't think that's the case. And that belief in degrees or tiers of humanity has caused, in my understanding of history, a devastating and immeasurable amount of damage and loss of life and in looking at this phrase through a lens of vulnerability, to me this statement is not a request for vulnerability, as a parent or a romantic partner or dear friend might make, but a demand of or a forcing of vulnerability, telling someone else, I see your weaknesses, I understand who you are as a person, and almost verbally saying you are like paper or a thin sheet of plastic, I can intellectually contain you in a sense which is so contrary to what can make vulnerability beautiful. So to my earlier question of whether or not you can step back from seeing through to actually engage with someone, I'm afraid that the philosophy of seeing through is so deeply rooted in hostility, or at least judgment at a bare minimum, that it would be really hard to change your mindset to not want to judge people, or, more logistically speaking, to rewire that reflex. If you live in a judgmental world, on some level, I don't fully fault you for being judgmental because we see models and examples of it everywhere. The point you make about the statement, I can see right through you, is a demand rather than a question is an important one. Earlier in the episode, you made a comment that these competitive relationships function as transactions. And it's the stilted, unfeeling nature of these interactions that are the root of our problem. When we say, I can see right through you and make that demand for vulnerability, it's not really vulnerability we get at all. To me, that has to be offered and to be cultivated between two people. It requires a degree of mutuality, whereas our demands for transparency in another person just reflect our desire to take so that we can be bigger. Earlier, you commented that possibility of hostility in our social interactions is terrifying. And you're right. You're also right that in a society like ours, it's easy to make judgments. But ultimately, it is rejecting the easiness of judgment and hostility 
that makes vulnerability so courageous. And I like to think that it's worth the difficulty. To those points of courage and trying to foster relationships, I'd like to add, with a note of intended positivity, that perhaps we should be grateful people are engaging with the world at all. And on some level, the optimist in me does believe that people can be retrained to use certain faculties in either non-hostile or even in some cases, loving and compassionate ways. But if we reminded ourselves to pause before making judgments, to see and actually regard something or someone in its entirety before trying to find a value to ascribe to it, I think we'd be happier and more patient overall as people. Now I say all of this knowing full well that evolution has a hand in our fast reaction time, and there's a reason that we tend to be judgmental people because we believe it will keep us safe. But I think there are a lot of people around us that we make enemies of simply on an impulse rather than substantial evidence or information. But Kathleen, before we conclude this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to our conversation? I hope that those listening will take some time to consider how we might better come to understand the way we look at people and to reckon with ourselves, asking if we are seeing through or seeing. And I hope that if we do realize that we've been seeing through someone, and as you pointed out earlier, thereby objectifying or dehumanizing that someone, that rather than be consumed by our shame, seek ways that we might be able to find hope and compassion in that shame, and to allow the hurt we feel to better see people. And as I hope we've given listeners a great deal already to think about, maybe even question. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we would genuinely love to hear from you. So if you have any comments, opinions, or feedback of any kind, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show, as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. Go in peace and conversation.